Welcome to Conversations in Grief, a podcast from Anam Cara, an organization set up by bereaved parents to help themselves and all bereaved parents cope with their grief and loss and journey on. I'm Sam Whelan Curtin, and in this podcast series, we'll be hearing from parents as they share their own unique stories of their children and their journey through grief. In this episode, we'll be talking with Mac about the different ways people grieve in a family and in a relationship and the impact that grief has on those relationships. He'll talk to us about the loss of his daughter Annabelle. Welcome Mac, and thank you for coming to share your story with us. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling us about your family? Uh, my name is Michael McHenry. I now live up in County Armagh. I'm originally a Kerryman via London where I lived for 15 years and was there with uh, Maria and uh, Luke, the first of all, children was born in London and then Veronique and it became kind of clear that um, childcare costs were significant and we relocated. And so we built us a house in Lurgan and, and, and that's the start of the family. James came along in 2003 and then Annabelle came along, uh, you know, 2006. I, I we probably thought that was going to be it because anymore you run into practicality issues with cars, etc. Life, life was good. I mean, we were adjusting to life back in Ireland, I guess, and uh, busy life with, with, with that number of children. Uh, and then Annabelle started getting a lot of sickness when she was about six months. Oh, it'll go away with time. It, it kind of never did. Um, but, it, it, you know, she we thought it was teething then. You know, she'd be up in the middle of the night and I'd be walking the floor with her. Went back and the doctor says, we need to look further into this. And... There was some scans done in, in Greg Avon at the end of May and the doctor says, I I think this is serious and more significant than we think. And he says, it looks like there's something putting pressure on the nerves and the, she'd lost the movement in her arms and legs. Oh, grand, grand, we'll get over this, we'll work through this. And he says, you need to get an MRI done. So we were moved to the Royal in Belfast. And of course, the significant date, so I remember that date was the 8th of June. And that's a significant one, a significant number of dates in the year for us. The oncologist came out and said, um, I'm afraid your daughter has a tumour on the upper part of her spine. She is too young for radiation. Her body's too small for an operation uh, and it's very aggressive uh, and the outlook's not very good. And like that, he delivered it. There's no sugarcoating that message. Even then, we kind of thought, OK, look, listen, he said maybe we could try some chemotherapy. And that worked and um, it seemed to, you know, she brought, she, she got back the power in her arms and legs and she had her first birthday in ICU. She came out of the ICU and went down and there was plans for to bring her home and continue her treatment at home and all the positive outlook. Um, and then at the end of August, she had a second MRI and um, the Dr. McCarthy, I remember he came in and he says, while the tumour is reduced, and taking the pressure off the nerve endings while she got the movement back, the disease has spread down along the spine and into her brain. And it wouldn't be long. I think we got 10 more days after that, you know, it took hold very quickly. I guess with the hospital and everything, you know, there's so much processing going on. And part of you as well is going that because she, she got really ill. You know, she was really ill at times in the hospital and you could see the pain. Um, so, you know, in many ways you're kind of thinking, you know, she doesn't have to deal with that anymore. 
it's a dark enough time, you know. So you know, I, I just look back at that 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 particular. I can vividly remember that day and every sort of almost moment of it, you know, when she passed. I'm so sorry, Mac. Before we speak more about the the grief, can you tell me a little bit more about Annabelle? She uh, was that character herself. She was she was a, a a crawler that wanted to go places, couldn't be handed back. We were barely a year into our new house and we just had, we had to get a patio out the back for her so she could go on her stroller out there. We used to have a red setter at the time called Joe and he would come up and, and it, Maria would be scared stiff for the dog going near her but he was only he was teasing her with her dummy mm-hmm. and she was teasing him. You know the way that baby and dog interaction goes and I have a precious memory of her putting up a Christmas tree with me and she was in the stroller and just grabbing things and wrecking the place because I had him on the couch and we were trying to put the tree up and she was grabbing the stuff off there. She had the most wonderful blue eyes in the hospital was really her only form of communication because she lost the movement in her hands and stuff and she obviously was intubated so there was tubes everywhere but these eyes, these wonderful big blue eyes that told you so much and we have a wonderful picture of her at Easter sitting on a rug with a big chocolate bunny rabbit and she's completely covered in chocolate and the head eaten off the bunny rabbit you know and are we so glad we gave her that pleasure you describe annabelle so beautifully and and your life with her can you talk to me about losing her and what you went through in that experience you're expecting with loss you know that you would have a lot of immediate anguish and pain but after a loss Marie and I both reflect and go you know how do we do that it was after 8 on the Monday evening when she passed away and you know they would have to remove her remains out of the ICU they says oh, she'll go down to the mortuary and she'll stay there till the morning till you make your arrangements um, but we wasn't going to let that happen I was not going to put her on a cold slab that's for sure so we they wrote a a letter which we would if the police stopped us you know so Maria took her in a blanket and sat in the seat with her and brought her home that way we went to bed and we put Annabelle between us I'm only assuming because we had you know the past four months before that being in the hospital and just constantly at her bedside and just that just dying whether the exhaustion meant we fell into sleep we both got a really good night's sleep which is strange and then, of course, you wake up and see your wonderful child beside you on the bed. We went to the routine of the, of the funeral. I had to go and get the lads, the other children, her siblings, from um, from their aunt. Um, I told them the Saturday before that Annabelle was going away and, um, and wouldn't be coming back. That, that was really, really hard, I have to say. Their reactions were strange in the sense that Luca, uh, being about... Um, he broke into tears straight away uh, James was only three he went right and ran off to play with ties and Veronique in the middle came out with a, a bizarre statement about you know uh, whatever she got for immense maturity beyond her years saying it's okay daddy we'll all meet again one day so <laughs> I know where she'd had that but it was delightful in Ireland we seem to do maybe the wakes and, 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 and the passing quite well I think for us we just were glad some of that 
that trauma of that pain was gone from her and that she didn't have to put up with that and great people came from far and wide good close friends and that was wonderful for us it meant a lot and then it's over and you, you, you see me come into the house and it's just us and that's that's really when the coldness hits and the reality hits and having to face up to things like the children need to go back to school um, and so there's that and trying to get through that you are still numb you're numb and you're very very raw and then Maria fell into a real depression over it she didn't want to talk to anyone she didn't want to go out I wound up taking the children to school you know you're driving into school and you see the people looking at you and I'm sure they're looking at you with compassion you know you, you don't want to make eye contact with them you really are not in the mood to talk to them you know, and sometimes you see pity and you don't want that pity. And then you, you, you get annoyed and driving home in the car, you get annoyed. And then, of course, the anger used to come. Really got angry. was quite happy if I was provoked in any way that I would like. And that wouldn't be my character at all. You know, and then going home, knowing that I was going home and Maria would be in bed. And having to maybe try to be the strong person and see could I pick her up some way and... You know, so there was there was tension there as that went on. She'd openly admit to you, like she she went through a period there where she didn't care about anything. She just wanted Annabelle back. So I saw my role as supporting her as best I can. I'd meet people on the street that always be asking about Maria, like always asking about me. And of course, my work was really good to me. I'm very very fortunate that I had a really supportive work I used to teach in Lurgan the principal was just take over long you want Michael and I says well it's more to do with I'm looking after the family like but I wanted to get back because I was looking for coping mechanisms and I knew that work would help I needed distraction from what I was going through and then when I approached that I remember with Maria saying I think I might go back to work you know that that caused a lot of tension we had a difficult time difficult time the two of us with that and trying to manage the children. And it, 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 it took until, you know, we were very fortunate that uh, I think from one of the charity groups, a person came and says, look, there's, you know, bereavement camps in, in Barrettstown. Why don't you think about it? No, 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 I'm not for that at all. Maria says yes, because Maria wanted anything. I think she recognised that there was a lot of things happening in the house that were, were you know, making us think we were going out of our mind. Uh, and that's how we got the connection to Adam Carver. Uh, because in Barrettstown, what it was was other families like us who had lost their children. And we were sharing the experience. There was a period here where I says, uh, you know, Marie and I may have almost despised each other because of the way things were going on. And the facilitator there, you know, he, he says, well, you know, he says, that's not uncommon. It's all about grief, and grief is unique. You know, grief doesn't decide there's a lovely couple. I'll hit them at the same way. So that that just that hearing that was just an immense weight lifted off our shoulder. You have to sometimes seek out help if you see there's if things aren't working. There must be solutions somewhere if you seek them out. But of course, you must want to seek them out and go and look for them. We're very fortunate to have Annabelle. She was a beautiful child for 14 months, you know. Uh, and we, she's so much part of our family still to this day. But I would recognise that Maria carried her for nine months and had that extra maybe relationship with her. So I had no problems 
you know, recognizing that she's entitled to her grief, she's entitled to be angry and annoyed, and she's entitled to want her back. I had a lot of confusion in my head, you know, annoyance and angry, and, 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 and things like, so I says, I'm going to dig a garden, a patch out there, and come on, James and Veronique, we'll, 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 we'll dig this now, we'll plant things here for Annabelle's memory. And Veronique went off and left me with James on his own, and, and, and James says to me, um, Daddy, is, is, is God going to let Annabelle come home for a little bit? And I, I, that was one of the lowest points ever. There's so much happening within all those relationships and dynamics in the family. Can you tell me what was most of value in helping you to cope in the time as it went on? I, I, I know that, it, that the, the dynamic in the house was 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 really upended completely. So you're, you're basically like throwing the jigsaw down onto the floor and how can we put it back together somewhere? So it begins to look like the image that it should be. We're not looking for the pristine thing completely to begin with, but we certainly want a lot better than the fragments that it was. You are looking for help. You're conscious of even your extended family not mentioning Annabelle's name. You don't want to fall out with them, but it's bothering you and it's annoying you and you're not sure how to deal with it. You're suddenly conscious of people that you talked to before, maybe not talked to anymore. They realize it's still raw and maybe they, they, they're uncomfortable with meeting you and you become aware of all that. You meet new people and they start saying, you know, you're married, how many children you have. And all these new experiences come on and all this is in your mind. And you're thinking, is this our life? Is this our life? This constant rethinking in your mind. Everything has just completely different meanings to what it has before. Questions are just, how do I answer this? But we persevered. We tried a few other groups and they weren't for us. I guess I was searching like and I was fortunate that we were pointed towards Anankara. So it was trying those different groups. Maybe there's a reason for the way it happened. And and, and uh, after Barrettstown, this is try the Anankara groups. We heard about an event in, in Dublin just before Christmas. Uh, and we went in there and there was just tea and coffee. Very nervous going into it. Very nervous because it was in keeping with everything that we were experiencing about everything being different, different perceptions, different series of questions, different social interactions with people and having to learn to to adapt. And and it, the worrying thing is because it's all new, you're kind of scared of it. So you then reluctant maybe to go out and to meet new people because you're worried of how you might have to, you know, put on that facade that everything is OK when it's not. So even going into that first Adam Carr meeting, I was nervous. I, I presume it was Maria because she'd be very good, like, you know, broke the ice to raise, you know, to put the others about our story. Uh, and, and they spoke and then they asked us and it flowed. It flowed very naturally. There's that immediate understanding when you meet another couple. Maybe it's something you see. Maybe it's something you, 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 you feel or you hear. But you know they know. They know the hurt and the pain that's inside you. And so you relax. You relax because you don't have to worry about how you structure a response, how, how, you're, how you're perceived, what's the right thing to do. Hold yourself together, will you, man? You're in a public place. 
you know, inhibitions and things can, the mask can come off. And that that's a great thing. Because, you know, for us it was, it was, it was trying to understand grief, it's trying to understand the journey. And then after that, say, okay, I, I'm, I'm getting a handle on the grief. Now, what's the important thing here is, is the memory of my child. You, you have to work it out. Everybody has to work it out. I think that's the great thing about Adam Carr and the talks too, is you hear lots and lots of other dads, you know, and moms, and you hear their experiences. And you hear how they deal with things relating to family and children. You hear how they deal with strange development of relationships that you thought were strong before that were no longer strong after the child. You learn about new relationships and people that surprised you. And it's good to hear different anecdotes from 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 the different parents because you can you can maybe apply them to your own. I talk about tension from Maria, but once we once we got an understanding about the uniqueness of the grief, oh, it was it was great for both of us. Like, and then being able to understand, you're having a down day today. Love, look, I'll de- I'll deal with the children. Don't you worry. I'm vice versa. Are you alright today? I'm not great. Love, you know. As you go on through the journey, as the years go on, Annabelle's always there, but you know she's she's coping, but she still comes into your head like other people say, like a steam engine. She'll come in sometimes, and you'll go. Where did you come from, love? And you'll think of something. Christmas, I still put up the tree. The first couple of years was awful hard, but now it's a really cherished memory. I remember thinking I wanted to get that out of my head. Now I really annoyed with myself that I would think that way, but that's just a cherished memory. What is it they say? You, you, you can't go around it, you can't go over it. You've got to go through the hedge, unfortunately. You've talked to us about the understanding and the difference of the grief between yourself and Maria. Grief is different for everyone. And from what you've described, over time, you've really developed that understanding, bound the differences and commonalities in how you grieve. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? You're coming at it from the aspect of, right, you know, you've got this love for each other. Your love has manifested itself in the wonderful children. And then this thing comes along that, you know, you can't explain. So, you know, you're going from a point of view where you're together as a couple and everything you do, because obviously the reason you're together is because you're there's commonality in the things you look in life and your approaches. That's not to say you've your traditional rows like any good healthy relationship will have, but they're all quickly resolved because there's stupid, silly things. But this, this didn't seem to resolve itself at all, but it, it took somebody to tell us about grief and about the uniqueness of it everybody's got their own experiences their own journey their own inner thoughts so for us the first stage was was hearing that and realizing right okay i think we've got to the basis of why the tension is there and us understanding you know i've heard other mums and dads saying that you need to be a bit selfish to look after yourself you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. You are, you're the mum or dad as well, conscious of your family. But if you don't look after yourself, who is? We're unique and we have to look after ourselves from time to time. But we need to let each other know that. But us starting to go to the meetings was us going in the car together and maybe getting that time away from the children. And of course, it gave us that time together to talk. And we'd be coming out to some of those meetings after talking and being very emotionally high. You know, 
uh, but then having the journey back to talk to each other and talk about our experiences. So, you know, as always in life, communication is 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 is, is a great help. You know, we're a good number of years now since she passed, but we we're, we're very careful as well. And we, we look, it, it's part of our conversation when we say I'm not great today. You know, we got there by you know, discovering and hearing other people's journey and trying different things. And we, we do things differently. We do. Maria does not go near the graveyard. She's no interest in it. I go there not as much, but I'm happy to do that. I have my way of dealing with it. I get up in the mornings, I go for a walk and I talk to Hannibal down by Loch Ney. We know those things that are kind of important to us. We know the real importance of July the 8th, which is her birthday. Um, and that's a big family day. This is our day for Annabelle. One of the most loving things and heartbreaking things for me is is watching the three older children. There's, you know, things that the children have done themselves at, 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 at things about Annabelle's name on on candle holders and stuff and on pieces of wood. Uh, and watching Luke and Veronique and James telling the two small ones, you know, that's Annabelle. You know, she's your sister, you know. I look at them and they're doing it like almost casually and relaxed and in a loving manner. I, I, I think if, you know, for me to sit down and talk to Sean Logan Francesca about Annabelle, I'd find it difficult. We are trying to include her in a balanced way with five others, you know. And so we have times where our other children have issues, sicknesses, school issues, growing up in life, life experiences with their friends and stuff. And that can be tough for them like anybody other child. So we have to balance that as well as making sure we have that 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 that, that memory of Annabelle. So, you know, like I say, for us, it's it's ensuring that memory lives on for us anyway, especially for me and Maria, that it lives on, you know, and that we don't forget her. You know. People listening to this may be at various stages of their grief, just beginning the journey or further along. What would you say to other parents and families experiencing this grief, particularly in terms of how it affects their relationships? What would you say to them? What message would you like for them to come away with from listening to this? Look, if you're very early days, it's very, very raw. It's very, very hard to understand. And naturally, all your thoughts will be only about the child that's passed. You know, if it's an only child, then that's really, really tough. If you have other children, you know, you, you got to think about them as well. You got to think about yourself. Uh, you got to think about your partner. Um, but uh, do understand that that grief is 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 like I keep saying a unique uh, journey for everybody. You you'll interact with it differently. It has a different uh, path, a different set of cards dealt to you, maybe to your partner. Don't be worried about forgetting. You're a wonderful child. You know, you're not going to forget. Don't worry about that. That's all they're asking of you is, you know, to acknowledge that they made up a part of your life. And so don't be afraid to tell people about their journey because it's important to you as it is important to them. And it'll be really important to your other children if you have them. You learn your own coping mechanisms. You learn the ways that you can because it's important to tell your friends and it is very casual for us now to say, you know, I know in my work, 8th of July, it doesn't matter what's on in my work. 
I'm taking that day off because it's Annabelle's birthday. And listen to other stories. It's, it's very cathartic, as they say. Uh, and just understand that what you're experiencing is you're not crazy. Trust me, I thought I was crazy. I went through all the anger and the anguish and pain. The anger bothered me big time. Find that forum so you can talk about your child. And it, it you know, it, if it's maybe to close family and friends, then that's good. It doesn't have to be an organization. But you, you need to let their voice through you be heard. You must, you must learn to journey on. You must learn to smile again. You know, it is okay to smile and laugh again. And it's okay to share stories with your family and, and bring your wonderful child into some of those. Not all the time, from time to time, whenever is necessary. And that's the thing. So the key, like everything else, I suppose, in life is communication. Um, and do talk and do listen and do acknowledge. And if you can find a safe place to do that, where you can do it more openly, then that's even better. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Mac. And we dedicate this episode to the memory of Annabelle. We know the power of hearing the stories of other parents and how this can help in navigating the journey of grief. Anamkara provides information, resources, and bereavement support after the death of a child of any age and through all circumstances. They hold regular group meetings and information sessions in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. You can find out more by visiting www.anamkara.ie or you can call plus 353-1404-5378 or from outside Dublin 085-2888-888 and if calling from Northern Ireland 028-952-13120 We would like to thank all the parents who have spoken to us and shared their stories for this podcast series. Thank you for listening and be kind to yourself.